fruits of the Spirit. Now, I was talking to Shirley. You do you mind if I tell him your dream? Okay. And we were talking on Sunday because she asked me what I was going to preach about. And she said she had this dream and she'd come to an intersection that's Highway 9, right? And it went Highway 9 this way and Highway 9 that way because I told her I was going to preach on the fruits of the Spirit. And there's nine gifts of the Spirit and there's nine fruits of the Spirit. So that's the highway she was on. If anybody knows Shirley Johnson, she's traveled up and down that highway a lot. <laughs> but I just thought that was pretty cool. That when we, when we talk about what's the difference between the fruits of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. And most Christians know that. But the gifts of the Spirit provided by an infilling of the Holy Spirit. We all know that, right? So when you have an infilling of the Holy Spirit and you're operating in the gifts and you know what those are. And, you've got, and you go through, through life, the fruits of the Spirit are the results of those gifts and the practicing of that righteousness, right? So you're practicing what those gifts are. So when you say, I have the fruits of the Spirit, that presupposes you have the Holy Spirit, right? So when we're saying that, one of the things that, that and it's, and it's, we all know Galatians 5, 22, 24, but I'm going to read it anyway, but the fruit... Of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and its passions and its desires. Let me say it again. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So what I'm going to talk about tonight, I'm just, and, and Bill knows this, we, we laugh about it. When I talk about fruits of the Spirit, I always start at the bottom. I always start at self-control, okay, because self-control is the most important one. If you have self-control, the rest of them are going to fall in line for you. But when I talk about self-control, I start thinking about, okay, what is the difference between men and women? We, we all have the same self-control problems. We all have the things, but, but we're so different. Men have a different control issue, then women have a different control issue. And I'm not going to mention any of them that, because it can, can get real ugly real quick if Kathy finds out I start talking about women. <laughs> and I have to apologize very quickly. <laughs> but, but really, there truly is such a difference, and God made us that way on purpose. And when we talk about we are made in the likeness of God, we are, believe, now think about this, God is God the Father, God's Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are made in His likeness. We're a triune being also. We have God, we have Jesus, and we have the Holy Spirit. We have all three of those inside of us. And so when we talk about the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit and how we separate those, they don't separate. The fruits are, a, are part of the gifts. And so when we start talking about that, men and women are very, very much the same when it comes to that. Spiritually, we're very, very much the same. As much as carnally we want to talk about uh, women are from Venus and men are from Mars or even further out in space. But really spiritually we're the same because we're made in God's image. We're made in the likeness of God. We have that same spiritual responsibility. So I'm going to start with Proverbs 16, 31 through 33. And I, I, the first part of this is just for, for, I'm going to throw it out there just to have it. So uh, gray hair is a crown of splendor. It is attained in the way of righteousness. Right? You agree with that? Okay, good. But the last part of that. Those who belong, I mean, uh, better a patient person than a warrior 
One with self-control than one who takes a city. That's the proverb. The lot is cast into the lap, but it is every decision from the Lord. So that really put, that put, when I read that, I said, you know what? Sorry. Cain and Abel. Pastor and I were talking about this. What's the difference between Cain and Abel? It was all about decision, all about spiritual decision. Abel brought a, an offering to the Lord that was the firstborn that included the fat. Cain brought something that was grown out of the ground and the fruits of the, of the ground. And the Lord was not pleased with that. But that was a decision. That's what it says there. But it's, it's every decision is from the Lord. The lot is cast into the lap, but every decision is from the Lord. Well, self-control is all about decisions. Think about it. We have carnal decisions, spiritual decisions, emotional, logical, experiential. All those things are what we, when we get ready to decide something, and I'm not going to say every time, but a lot of times we can go ahead and we know already what we're going to decide on something because we have a lot of experience and we talk about, well, this is, this is what I want, this is what I need, this is what makes sense. But never once have, do we say on occasion, this is what God says. This is what the Holy Spirit's told me to do. And so when we talk about self-control, we're talking about decisions, aren't we? So the decisions we make as we go through life, are those little bricks, this road in life is little bricks called decisions. And that's what, that's what we're walking down all the time. And when you make bad bricks, guess what? You make bad decisions. And sometimes you don't even know it. You get halfway down it before you go... Okay, this isn't where I wanted to be. And you got to repent. You got to turn around. You got to walk back down that road. You got to get to where. You, and most of the time, you got to get back on your face and go, okay, God, I didn't know what I was doing. I thought I was, but I was. again, carnal, denying the self. And we're going to talk a lot more about that. And so when we say spiritual, do we pray about every single decision we make? I like to say I do, I don't. Because as we get older, as Pastor tells me, <clears throat> that as we get older, that we <laughs> couldn't help it. As we get older, yeah. And so as we get older, we, we rely on what we know experientially. We know what's happened in the past. And God doesn't deny that we should do that. Because if we've made those spiritual decisions and done it correctly, yeah, it's a good decision again. If God's included in it, if prayer's included in it. If the word is included, many, many times we go to the brothers and say, okay, here's what I think about doing. What do you, what do you think? Al, you and I have had that discussion many, many times. What do you think about this? That's not an idle conversation. That's a spiritual brother that I value what he's saying. When I go to pastor or Bill and say, hey, here's what's going to happen. What do you think? And, we, and, we're, and we're serious about that. Okay, what, I'm, I'm going to listen to what you have to say. Spiritual and experiential. Very, very important. But we can't listen to our carnal mind. And I heard someone say today, it's Holy Spirit's telling you something, and you're just going along, and you're going, great. And your carnal mind says, yeah, but look at this. <laughs> and you keep thinking this from the Holy Spirit, right? You have to stop and go, okay, let me confirm that. That's what I, this is what I want it to be. Proverbs twenty-five twenty-eight: Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Now think about that. Remember the days the cities of old, they had the big walls, and that was to keep the enemy out, to keep the enemy from coming through. But the walls are broken. They're, 
there's no way you're going to keep the enemy out. So you don't have the self-control. And self is used a lot. Self-indulgence, selfishness, different ways that we we talk about our, our self and it's not necessarily a good way but it can also be a good it can also be a good way if we're spiritual in our in our, in our everyday life i'm and i'm going to go to the amplified in second timothy 1 6 through 8 i think you got all those did you get them all okay and it's, it's not that long but this is why i would remind you to stir up rekindle the embers of fan the flame and keep burning the gracious gift of God. The gifts of God that we've got. This is spiritual gifts. Decide. That's what that means to stir up. Decide to go back and say, okay, I want that gift. I want to know. I want to have discernment. I want to have knowledge. I want to have wisdom. And so you decide that's what I'm going to have. And I'm going to have purpose that I'm going to have that. And so I pray for that. Lord, give me the wisdom. Give me the knowledge. Give me the things I need to go. Tell me what I need to do. And sit still. And sit still and be quiet and listen. Got that from Sister Joy. Listen. You know, when you're praying real hard and praying real hard, and if you don't sit and just listen, sometimes you don't hear God. You have to listen to what he's going to tell you, right? And what he's, how he's going to coach you. So it says, and keep burning the gracious gift of God, the inner fire. Remember that fire you had when you first saved? You're walking around, you're going to tell her, you're gonna turn or burn, man. <laughs> Not very effective when you're talking to people, telling them, you're going to hell if you don't listen to what I'm getting ready to tell you, and they walk off. Why didn't anybody listen to me? Because, a little offensive. But that's, that's where the grace of God and the graciousness that comes and the understanding and, and following that is the means of, of laying on of hands, like when, we, when elders are, are ordained, that that spiritual uh, impartation happens. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity. And in the Amplified it says that, and that means cowardice, craven, cringing, fawning, fear. That's a lot. Of <laughs> the reason I use the, the Amplified because it really, really defines some of the words that are in, in, in the, in the uh, New Testament. He has given us a spirit of power and love, calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. Okay, there's a key. He has given us that spirit of calm, well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. Okay, it's, it, people think, well, I don't have self-control. Yeah, God gave it to you already. You've got to uncover it, find it. Pray for it. Say, God, I know you gave me the self-control. How do I use it? What do I do? Well, quit watching that. Quit talking like that. Quit saying this to people. And if you ask God questions like that, he'll tell you. <laughs> oh, okay, now I get it. But it, that's, why we, that's why it's so important that we listen to what the Holy Spirit says. We've already been given the calm and the well-balanced mind, the discipline, and self-control. You might not think you're disciplined. You might not think you're calm. But if you just quit talking about yourself long enough and listen, you can hear it. You know, and that's and that's, that's hard for guys like me who are shy to do. <laughs> but, you know, when you when you talk too much, and, you, and I'm, I'm talking when you're by yourself and you're talking to the Lord, and you're praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. Then you go home and go, I didn't get nothing out of that. God did. He's going, wow. That's a lot of prayer. <laughs> but when we ask, and we ask earnestly, 
He's already given us the, the well-balanced. It says in, in verse 8 there in 2 Timothy, Do not blush or be ashamed then to testify to and for our Lord, nor of me. But listen to what that says. Do not be blush or be ashamed. In, in Hebrews 1.14, you, you don't have that one. Are not all the angels ministering spirits and sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? And the reason I bring that up because in twelve in Luke twelve eight it says, I tell you, whoever acknowledges me before the son before the men, let me start over. I tell you, whoever acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge him before the angels of God. I said, I caught that you know last week. I said, Wow. Jesus is not just going to tell God, he's going to tell the angels of God. Why? They are the messengers of God. He's going to tell them, that's one of my people right there. See that guy right there? He's the one that's been ministering. Go minister to him. I, I, didn't, I didn't realize, you know, when, when the angels are declared in Hebrew to be the messengers of God, and Jesus is teaching, I'm going to, I'm going to declare you before the angels in heaven. We should rejoice. That's what he's talking about. He's not just tell, he's going to tell all the angels. He's not just going to tell a couple of them. He's going to tell all the angels. That's that's my that's that's my Pastor Roy. That's that's Pastor Goodluck. That's, that's Pastor Bill. You've been a pastor. Second Timothy three. And he talked and he's talking about people that 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 really that we already know in the world. In, in every generation, I've talked to my mother. She's eighty five. My aunts, uncles. During World War II, that Hitler was the Antichrist, and it was the end of the world. And everybody thought that back then, that that's what was going to happen. And then the Korean War, and then the Vietnam War, and the wars and wars and famines, and everything we read in the Bible. Israel was made a nation in 48. You know, that just, everybody knew that was the end times coming up. And it says in the end, for people will be lovers of self. This is Second Timothy 3, 2. Self-centered, lovers of money and aroused by an inordinate, greedy desire for wealth, proud and arrogant and contemptuous boasters. And we see a lot of that happening today in the world. And it's easy for us to say, look, it's the end times. But I think every generation has said that. Look, it's the end times. And I, and I would say this is the worst it's ever been. My mother would say, no, that was the worst it's ever been, but she's agreeing that this is probably pretty bad. But we never know. We never know. And Jesus said, no one knows the time. No one knows when I'm coming back. And he says they, in verse 3, they will be without natural human affection, relentless, slanderers, intemperate, and loose in morals and conduct. Have we seen looser morals than we see now? No. They will be treacherous, betrayers, rash, and inflated with, here's another one, self-conceit. Self, self-centered, self-conceit, self-indulgence, selfishness. See how we can take self and we use and we try and make the self-control. We try to say, okay, I can make this decision myself. When our control has to be decisions that we're going to do it by the, by the, the word of God and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way. It's the only way. By the, follow the gifts. Ask for the gifts. Pray for the gifts. Walk according to the gifts. If we don't do that, then we, we rely on our carnal self. And we just read it. 
self-centered, self-conceit, selfishness. We have a tendency to want to take care of ourselves first, and then we're going to take care of everybody else around us. And in God's world, it's just the opposite. I want to take care of everybody around me, and then I'll be taken care of. It's not a hard concept, but it's something we don't get carnally. And, it's what the, and I know this is the Wednesday night crowd, so I was going to, I'm not going to preach turn or burn. But this is, this is really important for us as mature Christians to understand. In Hebrews 6, 1 through 7, it's talking about we need to turn away from the elementary teachings of God. And the elementary teachings of God in that particular passage is laying on of hands, praying for repentance, and uh, raising people from the dead. That's elementary. What's, what, is, what is upper? <laughs> it's also it's the preaching. It's going into the gospel, pre- preaching it, bringing it to the world. Very proud of our ladies. They just finished bringing the gospel to the world, our little world. Uh, see the pictures on Facebook. If you look, look if you, they're, the village they showed, the, those, those young kids dancing on the stage. It's just amazing to watch what we can do, what this church did when we sent them over there. We sent them over there. So we're part of that. We're part of that. And whatever happens with with the the orphanage and with the love and with the with the things with the with the women they were praying for and they're talking about teaching mama to pray. I think that's great. A praying mama is you know, my, my grandma was a praying grandma. She's a hardcore <laughs> Pentecostal. <laughs> Told me several times I was going to hell on a rocket sled. <laughs> and, you know, and and she but she said it with love. <laughs> But she prayed it through, and you know what? I received Christ about four years later. So did my brothers. Thank you, Grandma. You know, thank you, Grandma. She wasn't thinking about self, was she? So that's what we got to look at. When we talk about self-control now, 1 Corinthians 7, 4 through 6. I'm not going to linger here too long. Because it's really, it's really fun. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. And so many guys I've talked to in the past, and, and new Christians and new converts, and they first read that first scripture of, wives, submit to your husband. That's all they see. <laughs> I say, keep reading. What you got to do next is, you know, husbands, lift up your wives like Christ lifted up the church. That means you give your life for her. Everything everything you lift up is for your wife. And you know what? You'll never, ever have to say submit to me because you submit to one another that way. And that's what that's talking about. Self-control. Do not deprive each other because you may lack self-control. But what they're talking about isn't just physical, talking about spiritual. A lot of a lot of Christian couples they don't pray together and make it a purposeful prayer time together. That's important. I had a good friend who got married recently and he came to me and he said, I'm, "I've got this relationship and I don't know where it's going, but what should I do?" I said, "Go pray together. Spend an evening just praying together. That's it. Go home. Don't have to worry about anything else." came back about a week later and said, you know what? That really worked. We're going to get married. Don't blame that on me. 
No, he said, thank God, because that's what he needed. He needed to understand that that was, that was something he had to hear from her heart. And, she, and that's where self-control came in. Don't tell me what you think. Tell me what I think. That's, hard. that's a hard question, be, to be honest and, and to be brutal like that with yourself at the same time. In Titus 1, 7 through 9. I'm going to go quicker on these because it says an overseer, manager of God's household must be blameless. Uh, skipping down to verse 8, rather he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. And that's what we've been talking about, the discipline, the self-control, and, and, and learning how to. That's going to magnify around you. People are going to see that witness on you, and they're going to say, I want to be like you. How do you do that? How do you do that? And that self-control is something that people want. They like that. When they see someone who's disciplined and they can walk according to the Lord, they understand that, okay, this is a strong man. I can talk to him. I can walk with him. I need, I need to get his advice. And that's what we want for people to do is to come, come where we have the fruits growing on us. They're going to come pick some joy and love and peace, and they're going to take it with them, and it's going to grow back. We're going to get to spread that around. The rest of the fruits of the Spirit. But you've got to have that, that, that discipline and that self-control. You've got to be a strong man or woman of Christ. And I say men a lot because I preach to the men a lot. But it's the, men or women have to have that same discipline, that same control, that same steadfast, non-movable integrity, ethics. And it's, and it's not something that, that just... You decide you're going to do. You have to pray for it. That's what comes from the results of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And he'll start trying to tell you, okay, this is what you're doing wrong. This is what you're doing right. One time I asked the Lord, I said, why do you allow all this, all the sickness and the poor, the poverty and, and, the, and the people who, who are just, just uh, you know, need you so bad? He said, why do you? It's true. Okay, I'm going to go start doing something about that, and we have. We started doing something about that. That's the question he's going to always return back to us. Why are you allowing what you're asking me to fix? Discipline, self-control, discipline. Titus 2, 11 through 13. For the grace of God has come forward for the deliverance from sin and eternal salvation of all mankind. And we all know that. We all live by that. It has trained us to reject and renounce all ungodliness worldly, passionate desires, to, and to live discreet, temperate, self-controlled, upright, devout, spiritually whole lives in this present world. This was written 2,000 years ago. You know anything about this present world. It's timeless when we start looking at how God put these scriptures together. Listen to that. To live discreet, upright, devout lives in this present world. This present world would horrify Peter and Paul and, and everyone else. That's how strong we've got to be, how, how far we've gone in the world today to be able to be strong Christians with all the, the onslaught we have with our kids, with the, with the social media, the onslaught we have with ourselves. I start leaving my phone at home. I started leaving it in the truck. So I don't need to check this thing every 15 minutes to see if someone's looking for me. We got to we got to just okay. That's I'm not going to worship that anymore. It becomes an idol, really. Think about that. And okay, when the first thing I do, I pull up the computer, I pull up Facebook. What, you know, what's everybody doing? 
My email's from work. What's going on? Can I live for an hour without looking at that? Only if I hide the phone. <laughs> Only if I leave it at home. Self-control. Discipline. I don't want that stuff to be controlling what I think and say and do. I'm much more happier when I don't have my phone with me. It's weird, isn't it? Because it's controlling. Except you got a Bible on it. That's pretty cool. I don't even have a Bible on my phone, just for that reason. <laughs> I'll flip over to see what's going on on Facebook. And that's, not, and that's not how God wants me to worship. He wants me to worship Him and nothing else. And that grace has trained us to reject and renounce all ungodliness, worldly desires to live discreet, self-controlled, upright, devout lives in this present world, awaiting and looking for the fulfillment, the blessed hope, even the glorious appearance of God. So when we talk about self-control, that's the basis of what we're going to see when we go start bring, going up the ladder now. Because now, going from the bottom up, what we're going to see, the next one is gentleness. And we all know what gentleness is. That's not being rude, right? That's <laughs> treating people. That's not what it talks about. As a prisoner of the Lord in Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And it's really easy to offend people sometimes. And sometimes when we're just preaching, sometimes when we're just talking, we may not even be able to, and, and especially now in this politically correct world, all you have to do is take a stand on something. Somebody's going to be offended somewhere. And this changes that, that hypersensitivity of, sense of, well, you can't say that. Well, I can say it if it says it in here, and I'll defend it every time. And if that offends you, I'm sorry. Let's pray together. Usually they run away. But I'm serious about that. If it doesn't say it here, and that's the unity of the Spirit that brings the bond of peace. We're going, to, we're going to be spiritual brothers and sisters, and we're going to have a peace. And you know that. When you're talking to someone, when you're spiritually connected with them, there is a peace in the room. You have a bunch of brothers and sisters together at, at houses or, or in, in the small groups or something, and a fun time is going on. You can feel the peace in the air. You can feel the joy in the air. You can feel the brotherhood, sisterhood. And, and the men's breakfast. I haven't been to the women's brunch. They don't let me in. I have to be out front. I'm standing guard, right? <laughs> but they, uh, the men's breakfast, man, it gets powerful. It's powerful. We see we see guys breaking and crying and saying, and guys don't break and cry very often in front of other guys. But when we start doing that, we're getting down to the root of stuff. The gentleness starts to come out. There's no anger anymore. There's no bitterness, no rancor. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, one unity of peace. That's what gentleness is all about. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility. That's easy to say. Compassion, that feel for other people. That I know. Oops. How about the people you don't know? 
gentleness, patience, bear with each other, and forgive one another. And this, boy, that's, that's probably one of the recurring themes through every one of these. Forgive one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Why does that bring gentleness? Because when we have a grievance against someone or they have a grievance against us and we ask for forgiveness, they don't have to say yes. Just because I asked for it is enough. I've freed myself from that bondage. And it's, that's part of the gentleness that comes with it. What it's talking about with the, the uh, uh, compassion, the kindness, the humility, the gentleness, and the patience. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and all these virtues put on love, which binds all together in perfect unity. But when we talk about gentleness, it can be harsh sometimes trying to bring something to someone's attention. And that's where the, the gifts of the Spirit come in. You have to have some discernment, too, when you're getting ready to talk to someone, is, and you're talking, and they're getting very uncomfortable. Okay, we'll, we'll talk about this later. A little compassion, a little humility. He said, hey, I'm not trying to bring anything up that you don't want to talk about. Many times when people are walking up for the prayer line, and you guys that are in the prayer team know this, all of a sudden the Lord's giving you a word of knowledge of what to pray about. And they walk up, and and you know it's for healing for, for uh, a sickness, and they say, yeah, I'll pray for my finances. Okay, that's not what I was going to suppose so. So I start praying for the finances. We make that prayer. I said, hey, I, you know, Lord's wanting me to pray for your healing for this, this, and this. Said, oh, okay. So if it's not offensive, we go ahead and do that. That's the gentle way of covering that. <coughs> Excuse me. Faithfulness. Second Thessalonians 1, 3 through 4. We always ought to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and love of you all have found for one another is increasing. Therefore, God assures we boast about your perseverance and faith. The perseverance is, is pretty tough. I'm going to get up every morning and come up to this church, and I'm going to pray for an hour. That's perseverance. I've done that for 15 years. And people ask me, why do you do that? So it's not because I'm super righteous. It's because if I sit at home, I start thinking about other stuff. I start thinking about work. I check my phone. I do all this stuff. I don't pray for the hour that I'm supposed to pray. I don't have the self-discipline, the self-control to do that at home. I decided many years ago, Pastor, can I have a key to the church? I'm going to come up here and pray. Okay. And so I started doing that on my own just because I needed to do that because I didn't have the, the self-control to pray at home, to get on my face in the, in the, in the closet or on the bedroom floor or whatever and pray. But up here I do. You tell you what, you, you get dressed up and you come up here and you purpose to come up and pray, you pray. You pray for an hour and you go home. You, we do it at 9 o'clock too for those of you who don't want to do it at 6. We have a prayer team too. We have small groups that we can pray together. In. But we purpose to pray. In the presence of God and Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead. Preach the word and be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Being ready in season and out of season. How do you do that? When someone were to, if someone were to come up to you and say, okay, it's your turn to preach tomorrow night, what are you going to do? 
What are you going to say? How are you going to preach? What are you going to do? You know, it's easy for people who, who are used to getting up in front of people and talking, but sometimes it's really hard for people who, who, not, who are not used to that to get up in front of people and talk. And I understand that. But preach the word. Be prepared. Do it in a small group. Do it in three or four people. Get, get a prayer team together. Preach, preach, preach. Prepare yourself. There's going to be coming a time when someone who's not saved is going to be standing in front of you. God's going to give you that God-appointed moment, and you're going to be able to say something to them. Plant a seed. And that's the faithfulness. That's what we're supposed to do. Plant that seed and go forth with it. Goodness. You know what goodness is? We know what's right. We know what's right, especially for Christians. There's no question. Well, is this, is this correct for, you know, a long time ago, a long time ago, probably 10, 15 years ago, there was a guy at our church that invited me over to come play cards, drink beer, and smoke cigars. That's not goodness. <laughs> I told him that. I said, wait a minute. You know, no, I can't do that. Well, why not? We're not, you know, God, God's not going to be offended. I said, no, but I am. Isn't that part of what it's supposed to be? That's the goodness. I know what's right. We know what it is. In Romans, you know, he's talking to him. He says, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. You have to be competent to instruct one another. That's part of the fruits of the Spirit. Kindness is unmerited consideration. Unmerited consideration. What does that mean? When uh, love is patient, love is kind. That's what it's talking about. But in Ephesians 4, it says, Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. Unmerited consideration. The kindness. When someone is being rude or ugly or they're not, they're not doing what they're supposed to do, to put your arm around and say, I love you, brother. I say brother because I, I talk to men most of all. But you're being an idiot. <laughs> and I don't mind talking. I, I talk pretty tough to the guys sometimes. When the kindness, and, and one of the examples I use quite frequently, especially to newer Christians, I said, you see this beautiful woman walking down the street towards you. She's wearing, you know, some some very nice clothes. And you think, what's the first thought in your mind when you see this woman? Is she saved? <laughs> and most of them just go, <laughs> no. That's not what we're taught as men. That's not what we learn carnally. But that's what we should. So we have to be kind. And I say kindness, unmerited consideration. We have to be kind to ourselves, too, when we fall. Kindness starts in here, too. Because a lot of times we don't do it right. And then I've, and there's many times we can say, well, God doesn't, you know, God's going to forgive me, but I don't think I can forgive myself. Heard men say that before because they've done such horrible things in their life. And I don't think that's, God doesn't say that anywhere in the scriptures. We're allowed to forgive ourselves as well. Patience, faithful perseverance. Anybody ever prayed for patience? What happened? Man, everything fell apart. <laughs> from that moment, from that morning forward to the rest of the week, everything I touched fell, broke, or the, or the, <laughs> and I was going, Lord, what's going on? You prayed for patience. Oh. <laughs> and it's the truth. 
So you start noticing the things that make you impatient. That's what happens. It's not that he sent you more things. It's just you start noticing the things that make you impatient. So you start working on that. In Colossians 1, it says, Live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in everywhere, bearing fruit in every good work. Do we bear fruit in every work that we do? Every good work? Growing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened with all the power. In my favorite, James 1. Consider it pure joy, my brethren, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work. So many times I've prayed, enough joy, Lord. <laughs> enough perseverance. I've, I'm, I got it. I don't need, and, but that's what makes you mature and complete. So he says in the Word. So you, be, you become mature and complete, not lacking anything, and you can ask the Lord for wisdom. And he grants it. He gives you the wisdom. And I tell guys a lot of times that experience is that thing you get right after you needed it. Isn't that the truth? And I tell my, you know, I've told all my kids that. You, experience is that thing you get right after you needed it. You go, what, well, what good is it then? Well, next time you'll know not to do that. <laughs> You know, and my son especially, I'd say, that's going to leave a mark. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> Ow. Told you. <laughs> Don't do that. It's going to leave a mark. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. He doesn't care if you, if you think you're stupid. He's going to give you wisdom and be given to you. Peace. That's my favorite. Contented wholeness. The peace that passes understanding. You know, in a time of trouble, in a time of, 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 of distress, and everything's going wrong, you've asked for patience that week <laughs> or whatever. But really, when you get, you're facing some real trials, you can still get that peace that passes understanding in the midst of, of the storm. And it's hard to explain that to people that when you finally, when people look at you and they go, don't you understand what's going on? I said, yeah, per- I understand perfectly. But I know my God's going to take care of us on the way out of this. And so many times, you have to be the anchor. Men, you have to be the anchor in your, in your, in your, in your marriage. You who women do, they nurture me back because I need it. I'm not a very good nurturer. Kathy is, but I, but I can be the anchor. Now, there's been some times when Kathy was the anchor and I was the nurturer. Because we give to one another, right? It's a partnership. So we look at that, and so when we say that uh, peace is is something that we can we can truly truly attain, joy. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things. This is Jesus praying in in John 17. And if you ever thought, did you ever wondered, did Jesus? Would you like for Jesus to pray for you, himself? Read John 17. He did. That is the true Lord's prayer. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy with them. We've given given the full measure of his joy right now, right now. If you, if you, if you, you have to choose, again, we go back to self-control. Every one of these is self-control. You have to decide to do that. You have to decide to have the patience, decide to have the kindness, decide to have the peace, the faithfulness. Decision, 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 self-control. Every bit of it. Every bit of it. And of course, lastly, the love. 
And this is the one that expresses every one of these. I'm only going to close once. 1 Peter 1, 5 through 7, and this is amplified. I choose that on purpose. For this very reason, reason, adding your diligence to the divine promises, employ every effort in exercising your faith to develop virtue, excellence, resolution, and Christian energy. And in exercising virtue, develop knowledge, intelligence. And in exercising knowledge, develop self-control. Tells you the secret right there. And in exercising self-control, we develop steadfastness, patience, endurance. We're talking about every one of the fruits of the Spirit here and how it builds. One builds on the other. And in exercising steadfastness, we develop godliness, piety. And in exercising godliness, brotherly affection. And in exercising brotherly affection, we get Christian love. Didn't that, didn't that every one of the fruits of the Spirit, and it all balances on self-control, the culmination of all the fruits of the Spirit manifesting in our soul, mind, and emotions, producing a longing in our spirit to continually, now look at this, to continually interact and access the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Christian love is, when the culmination of all the fruits of the Holy Spirit in us. So go back and read 1 Corinthians 12. Look at what those gifts are, how we're supposed to have them, how we're supposed to use them. If anybody comes to you and preaching and says those gifts were for another time, I tell them they're wrong. I tell that to tear that page out of their Bible, as a pastor always says. Tear that page out of your Bible if you don't believe it. That's not the way it should be. We have to practice those gifts. We have to understand them. They're not something weird that's out there that, woo. That's what pe- the, the, the theology of today is. Well, you guys are just believing that weird stuff. That weird stuff's in the Bible. Well, the Christ hung on the cross and died and was resurrected. Is that weird? So that's why I started asking people, well, tell me what you think's weird. Do you even read this thing? I've often said in the classroom and teaching, this is a training manual. Jesus, Jesus showed the disciples in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, this is how you're going to handle every situation you come upon in life. He gave us all the parables. He gave us all the examples. He showed us exactly how to handle every single thing. And then he said, it's necessary that I go away, that I send you the Holy Spirit. He's going to remind you of everything I ever taught you. Well, that's pretty cool. That presupposes you learned it, that you've been taught it. So when, we, when, we, when he says the Holy Spirit is going to do something, it does. And it happens every time. It happens every time. God is so faithful. When we start praying for something and, and, and we're calm and we, and we go back to our life, and some brother comes up and he says, Hey, I was praying the other day, and your name came up. I need to tell you something. Holy Spirit. I love it. I love the way it works. Thank you, Father, for this time. Thank you, Lord, for the words, your words, not mine. We just bless you, Father. We worship you. You are the way maker, Father God. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Yeah, I was going to say, do you want me to dismiss too?